Welcome back to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two friends giggle, snort, and recap their way through a new romance novel, usually each week. This week, we're here with The Autumn Bride by Anne Gracie. It's going to be part one of The Autumn Bride, and it is filled with so much lady love and stick it to the manness that we are all about it. Let's jump right in. Hey Mel, how are you? Good. Excellent. So, listener, I just told Mel that I might have a story that might be funny, but I'm not sure if it's funny. And then she said, I'll let you know on the podcast that we <laughs> <Yeah>. started recording. <laughs> so I don't know if this is like, it was funny in the moment. I'm not sure if like, what are you drinking? Erin, <laughs> why do you always yes. have to call me out? <sighs> but it's like, the largest thing of apple juice or something. <laughs> it's like it's actually, a two gallon jug. It's actually of unsweetened applesauce. Apple sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't be bothered to use a spoon, so I'm just drinking out of the jar. Listener, Melody Carlisle <laughs> is drinking a gallon jug of applesauce. It's not. She's leaning back from the microphone so that you won't hear it sloshing into her mouth because no. it's not a liquid. You guys, it is a mere 48 ounce jug. <laughs> How much ounces is a gallon? I no, More. More? <laughs> yeah. Not much more. That's a big old, that's a two-hander jug. Well, you're not wrong. Okay, so you know what airports, Aaron. Now yeah. everybody knows my dirty secrets. I thought well, this you was keep a safe choosing space. to do that. How? Why would you think it's a safe place? I called Fair. you out when you ate paper. I called you out when you were wearing a reindeer onesie. Technically, I called me out when I ate paper. Thank you very much. Oh, <laughs> uh, everything you were going all are the way tricky. horizontal to eat an apple. <laughs> I come here prepared. I would have you know. It's just me and my porg mug. It's true. All right. So in airports, uh-huh. when you're at the baggage claim and the bags are about to come out, there's usually like some kind of sound, you know, like a or something oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. like the bags are coming. Yeah. I don't know if everybody else is in airports as much as me, but like, trust me, there's usually it's like a bell or like a horn or yeah, a beep like a or horn. something. Yeah. It depends on the airport. But like this particular airport had like a loud ring. That kind of sounded like an alarm, but like not really, like a very friendly alarm if it sounded like an alarm at all. <laughs> and I was in the baggage area, and it was kind of deserted. And the, but I mean, there were there were people there, but it wasn't like a crazy crowd. And the alarm for this baggage thingy went off, and the, a woman next to it, sorry, the woman next to it screamed, "Run!" and then hit the floor. <laughs> No. <laughs> it was it wasn't even that loud or alarming to anyone else. Wait, but also and she shouted she an order run, and yeah. then dropped and then to the ground. <laughs> did the opposite. Like at least a hundred people were in the, the like large room. Everyone heard her and everyone <laughs> just looked confused. Like no one was at all panicked. <laughs> No one heeded her, like, warning. It was the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And then she just 
slowly, calmly got up <laughs> and then just stood there waiting for her bags, oh. having realized what it was. <laughs> um, I've never seen in my life somebody who should be more publicly humiliated than that woman. And she, like, got held her shit together. <laughs> so my wow. advice to all of you HBs is to be like that lady. Just hold it together. Yeah. She yes. didn't cry and go to the bathroom. She just stood there acknowledging that all 100 of us knew what an idiot she was and <laughs> waited for her bags. Oh, my God. It was amazing. It was the funniest thing I've seen in a really long time. I have never done anything like that. Although, um, I will say, I startle very easily. Me too. So, not only do I startle easily, but I also have a habit of, like, leaving things out on the counter, like food or whatever, sometimes. Or I also get into his like food stashes. Like he'll he'll buy something and he'll be mm-hmm. like, "Oh man, this sounds so good." And I'm like, "Yeah, Michael, you should get that for you. I'm not gonna eat it though." And mm-hmm. then he'll come home and three of his high calorie canola bars are just gone. <laughs> and so at first he was like, he was like, "Oh, I think we have a mouse." I was like, hmm, big mouse. <laughs> yeah, it's a really serious business mouse. And then he was like, huh. So would you say it's like a rouse from the Princess Bride, like an R-O-U-S? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I wouldn't say that. This, I mean, I wouldn't say that. And so now my biggest nickname is his rouse. <laughs> because one time he came into a room and just like turned on an adjacent light. Like another light was already on. I was standing in the kitchen. He turned on the light over the kitchen and I screamed and jumped in a 360 manner and, and like had my guard up. And he was like, and without blinking, he just goes, you fucking rouse and goes to the refrigerator. I I startle like that all the time yeah. when David comes around the corner. But my excuse is that he's usually trying to scare me in a yes. darkened house. And then he'll, like, come around the corner just, like, getting something out of the fridge or something. And I'll be like, oh, oh. And he's like, I live here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but, like, when you scare me all the time, you have mm-hmm. to, like, give me a break a little bit. But can I tell you a story about granola bars? Yes, please. You know, like, those chewy granola bars, those 90-calorie chewy granola, granola bars? Like, several yeah. companies make them. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. We identify things by the number of calories in them. That's probably just not a good sign for our health. But anyway... <laughs> Like, you know, the 90 calorie granola bars, not the 250 ones that are crunchier. Anyway, (laughs) so the 90 calorie chewy granola bars he bought. So I can't eat those because of my intolerance. (laughs) If I eat one, I get like a headache. I just feel just generally bad, Mm. like drank too Mm. much wine bad. And he bought a big thing of those from Costco, like the biggest thing, peanut butter kind, the chocolate chip kind, and whatever is the other more inferior kind. And Mm. he bought them because we have a child that visits every once in a while. So we like, you know, have them there for the child. And um, I just kept eating them and being like, I feel terrible. And he'd be like, did you eat one of the chewy granola bars? (laughs) And I'd be like, yeah, I ate one of the chewy uh-huh. granola bars and i just kept doing it and he's just like stop <laughs> eating those and i'm like i can't help it they're so delicious and they're in the cupboard and they're here right they're that's the thing you open yeah. up the cupboard and what are you gonna do you're gonna cook or are you gonna eat a granola bar that will inevitably make you sick 
You're going to do the or second one. Or you're going to eat six of them. He had to take those granola bars. He took them and he put them in the gun safe. Yes! Actually, and I was like, and I was like you can't put she's She wants to tell the story so bad that she's got both <laughs> fists and she's vibrating her whole body. But anyway, I was like, you just put them in the gun safe? Like, that's so cruel first. <laughs> cruel. And he's like, it's for your own safety. <laughs> Well, joke's on you, because I live here, too, and I have the combination for the gun safe. And he was like, and I should, because it's been told to me probably a hundred times. And he's like, tell me the combination to the gun safe. And I was like, it's a secret, so I'm not going to, because it's our secret gun safe combination. He's probably written it down and told it to me a hundred times. And now I can't get to my chewy bars, because I'm such an idiot. Anyway. So first of all, Michael and I have actually talked about investing in either one of those things where you lock it oh, and you God. set the timer. Because uh-huh. like my issue is that I'm a snacker. And so and I always want to snack on the worst thing. So we're like, what if we get one of those things that I can only it will only open every 24 hours? Yeah, I've seen. So them. I just grab two, close it up and it won't open for 24 hours. That sounds amazing. Um, except, of course, I'll grab a dozen. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is getting some of those things that like locks, like getting a getting a gun safe, but but for food. They have those two that only Michael will know the combination to. <laughs> Who knows? Oh my God. I'm actually a lot better now. Anyway, let's talk about Double Tree Cookies real quick, and then we have to get into this amazing book. Okay. No, we don't. So I used to work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, I used to work for a company that had a lot of dealings with hotels. So they would come and visit us and a lot of times they would bring gifts and all that sort of thing. And Doubletree is notorious for their amazing 400 calorie buttery chocolate chippy mm-hmm. walnutty cookie, right? <clears throat> so at around Christmas time, a bunch of Doubletree hotels in all different cities would visit us and each of them would bring us, like each person in the office a canister of six of these cookies. Now, Yikes. I don't know if you remember, listener, but I am incredibly lactose intolerant. <laughs> I also have the sweetest tooth that's ever existed in a human. I don't mean to say that I'm like this special snowflake of sweet tooth glory. Melody, but you're I the really special am. snowflake I've ever met <gasps> in my life. Just own it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so I... <laughs> I was sitting at my desk staring at this canister and I thought to myself, do I eat one a day and feel sick for a week or <laughs> eat them do all I just now eat them all just, right yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, I ate them all like with <sighs> impunity. All right. That's why when okay. people are like, drink a glass of wine, even though you're intolerant, you know, like, I'm like, I'm not going to waste that on wine. I'm going to yeah, waste right? it on chewed granola bars. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously. We've got other alcohols in the yeah. world. There's nothing to replace a chewed granola bar. Nothing. Not a single thing. Okay. We are here to talk about The Autumn Bride. By Anne Gracie. This takes place in England times. England times. Specifically, it's a Regency romance. And actually, you know my terrible accent from, what did we read that I did? The, oh, fire, firelight mm, fire, uh-huh. or whatever. That like, hello. <laughs> There's somebody in here that talks like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Daisy, Daisy, Daisy. Yep. I'm excited. Okay. This so, was originally well, recommended. I've got, 
I've got oh, Lady sorry. Beatrice like down. Okay. So don't worry uh, about that. <laughs> okay. So this was originally recommended to us through a five star iTunes review after this is how backed up we are on five star iTunes reviews, y'all. Is that when we did the three Tiffany Rise books last mm-hmm. fall and winter, we had talked about how much Melody super loves a good side character. Uh-huh. And that's her like number one passion in the world. And this review said, if Melody loves a good side character, you have to read this book, The Autumn Bride. So that's how it was recommended to us. And it did not disappoint on that front. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. It, mm-hmm. it hit the spot on every fucking level. There is so much lady love in this book. So much like stick it to the man and stick it to societal norms lady love that I'm just like, I was like glowing reading this thing. I swear to Christ. Was I All correct right. that like you were having a little bit of a hard time this week and you're like, I haven't uh-huh. even started the book. And I was like, read the book. It'll make you feel better. Did it? It made me feel better. Yeah. yeah good. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> we have Abby Chantry and Max Davenham. Um, the prologue opens and Max is 18. His uncle has just died. He is inheriting. And instead of inheriting like a vast amount of estates and, and golds and, and all the goodness, he finds out that uh, his uncle has completely ruined them like four times over. So like real bad, like the ruination of this family is is real, real insane. So yeah. he is such a good dude that he's like. The only thing I want to make sure of is that my great or my aunt is um, taken care of until death because she knows nothing of this. And she's all that he has left, right? There's no other relatives hanging around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, she's it. And frankly, she was the only adult in his life that was ever good to him. His mom Mm -hmm. ran off and his dad immediately sent him off to boarding school and it was just the worst. Mm -hmm. All right. So he's deciding that he's going to save the family fortune or... Mm-hmm. you know, rebuild the family fortune, I should say. And that's where we leave him. Then, mm-hmm. 10 years later, everybody, we meet up. Oh, go ahead. I just wanted to say it's kind of important that they say in this in this thing that they cannot. He was like, okay, well, we'll just put everybody in one of our small houses. And they're like, you cannot afford any of your houses. Everything must be sold to include all your houses and you still will not be okay. Yes. So when this book opens and he still has House Davenham, yes. I was a little confused by that. I couldn't figure out how he saved it. And that's explained in the book. But I think it's important that they like explicitly said, you cannot save this house. Yeah. And he was like, the only thing you cannot sell, I'd like to keep the family estate, but I absolutely have to keep the London house because that's where my aunt lives. And that's where she needs to die. Like, we can't do it. Right. And so she lives there. Yeah. So we open up. 10 years later, everybody, Abby Chantry, Chantry, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking care. She is the most adorable governess that ever, ever governessed. She's, of Mm -hmm. course, working six and a half days a week. And the family would have her mending and doing all the things if she stayed at home during her half day off. Right. But she doesn't. No matter how cold or blustery or London-y the outside is, she will just go walk the fuck around town. Because you'd rather do that than do more work for this horrible, horrible oh lady. Oh, my God. And after meeting the family, I was like, dear Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So she's heading home because if she's even 30 seconds late getting home at 6 p.m., he will dock her a full day's pay, mm-hmm. which the injustice of it all, mm-hmm. you know? So she's running, running, running home. And all of a sudden, this maidservant street, with a street urchin accent, this girl tugs on her arm. 
And she's like, Abby, Abby. Oh, no. What does she say, Aaron? Go ahead. What? Abby. Oh. Hello. Abby Chantry? <laughs> it's like, it's like. <laughs> it's Your sister's like in trouble. You know, once in, in speech, I did a Cuban Pakistani accent. Oh, and it was Aaron. spot fucking on. No, it was good. Don't even. You weren't around. It wasn't around. I finaled that. So don't even. Excellent. I just don't know how that works. Yeah, and well, no one knew what it was supposed to sound like. That's how it worked. <laughs> anyway, so she's... Okay. So the girl's like, your sister's in trouble. You have to come with me right now. And Abby is... Abby's like, I'll lose my job if I do this. Or I'll at least lose a day's pay. But if well, she, my sister's but she's in also trouble... Like, yeah, how do you even know my sister? She knew her sister's name and she knew her name. And she's yeah. like, no one in the world knows both of our names. So yeah. there's... There's no way that this woman is, you know, luring me into a place where somebody's going to take my kidneys. Right. Exactly. Which was apparently prevalent in England. She talks a lot about white slavery, and that made me (laughs) real uncomfortable on a lot of levels, but okay. White slavery seemed to be sex slavery. I think so, too. I think she was talking about the race of whites. Well, (laughs) right, because apparently, like, only, only brown, only dark folks should be the slaveries yeah it was a, there were a few awkward sentences yeah. there but i think well, what she was very, saying like of the times yeah yeah i think she was saying that it was common for people to get lured away to be sold into some kind of sex slavery because she was confident that that was not going to be her because she isn't cute uh, right and ironically that is what she's going to have to save her sister from bum, bum, because bum. She gets to the brothel. This girl explains to her that she's a maidservant at this brothel. And the dude who now owns it is abducting girls in various ways and then forcing them into prostitution, only keeping them in underwear and locking all the doors so that they have no chance of leaving. Because it's England. You can't just run out of the street in your underpants. Well, and it's also fucking cold. Yeah, it's cold. Like, but you can't just go knocking on somebody's door in your underpants and be like, it's cold, let me in, I'm in trouble. Because they no. would be like, you slut. Yeah, they, they would either be like, well, great, uh, sex delivery, or, <laughs> great like, rape delivery, or... Delivery. <laughs> they'd be like, get out of here, you hummuckutzler. Yeah. Okay, so she gets all the way to the brothel, and the, the dude of the hour shows up. And Daisy's like, oh, God, you got to go. Come back in an hour. Bring a cloak and bring some shoes. So she goes home and she asks the people. They're like, you lose your pay. You're, You're late. You need to. Yeah, you need to get feed our children or whatever. What like they, they need to go to bed. And we're going to the theater. And we're already late. Yeah, we're, we're late to the theater. So she's like, my sister's in town unexpectedly. I need their, her to stay with us. And these fucking assholes are like a stranger staying with my babies never and so they tell her no and she's like Mm -hmm. is that your last word because i'm definitely gonna do it anyway Mm -hmm. and they're like that is our last word so they leave an hour later she gets her cloak and her shoes and she heads back to the brothel she's standing out outside of the really imposing gate with the spikes on the top and it's Mm -hmm. all very cloak and dagger literally yeah right the gate opens and her sister comes out and they have this tearful reunion in the best way. And Daisy's like, get out of here, you! Like Daisy's the maid. <laughs> yeah, Daisy's the and she's maid. She's like, scram! Yeah. You gotta get out of here. Have your reunion somewhere else. And then Jane, who is Abby's sister, sister, was yeah. like, we have to take this other girl, Damaris, with us. And Abby, bless her heart, uh, 
is like this painted whore like her inner monologue about this girl <laughs> is, but she also admonishes herself oh, yes. 10 minutes later she immediately is like because she's wearing whore stuff she's got makeup on she's got her hair in like uh like the chopsticks hair like a coiffer right mm-hmm. yeah and they've got like eyeliner lining out mm-hmm. and she's like oh she's totally a painted whore and then like 10 minutes later her sister's like she poisoned me so that I wouldn't have to sleep with men so that I could be a virgin. Like she gave her some kind of tea that would make her sick so that the men would be like, gross, she's vomiting. I don't want that yeah. one. And then Abby's like, I love you. I'm so sorry. I thought bad things about you. Yeah. Come. And to be fair, there, there, a lot of her inner monologue is like, it's going to be hard enough to take my sister back to the house and like get away with that. But then if I show up with this lady, like how are we mm-hmm. going to explain that? And then... She finds out what the maid servant did for, to get them out. And then she loves all three of them. Yeah. And so Daisy's like, I'm also leaving. I'm not going with you, but I am leaving because like, I will be myrtilated. He will beat me to death after finding mm-hmm. out that I got you out. So they run, 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 run. And when they finally stop, Abby's like, all right, Daisy, you, you have to come with us too. At least for mm-hmm. the night, you have to come with us too. And Daisy's like... I, oh, miss, I oh, couldn't. I couldn't. <laughs> couldn't. <laughs> and anyway, they talk her into it. They take her back to the house and she sneaks them into the house. They go straight up to their room and she's going to go get some food for them. And the butler, the dear butler, catches her and is like, you better take half the pie instead of just a slice because... You know, you're, you're getting in trouble anyway. Yeah, you're, they're going to dock your wages anyway. They're going to dock you for the whole pie. Mm-hmm. So just take the whole pie. Mm-hmm. I had a band. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I, had a, I had a band director one time that if you were minutes late to the marching band practice that started at 7 a.m., you had to do a lap around the football. You had to run a lap around the football field for every minute that you were late. But there was no punishment to just not going to practice. Oh. And so if you were like one minute late it was just like fuck it i'll just go back to sleep like yeah yeah that's what that is that's what that is if you take a slice of the pie what did you play i started on Mm -hmm. the flute and then i decided i didn't like the flute because i didn't people who play instruments will know that there's a personality to the different people that play the instruments no offense to flautists. you didn't like the flute crew i didn't like the flute crew very much i didn't fit in with the flute crew so and also so I was in marching band, concert band, symphonic band and jazz band. And I sat first chair in the symphonic band. So I transitioned to piccolo for the marching band. But still, I was in with those flautists. So I decided. <laughs> sorry, guys. So those I decided to switch. Flautists. Yeah, I switched to saxophone because hmm. it has the same fingerings as flute. And then I could play in a more prominent position in the jazz band. Getting so I was right. playing flute in some of the bands and then saxophone in the other bands. Then I got a crush on a oh snare drummer. Okay. Are you familiar with what a ride cymbal is? No. So ride cymbals just hold up their cymbals in the marching band and march in front of the snare drummers and they play like a drum set. And they go... Those well, ones? I, you sometimes, you, yeah, but you hang them up like a hi-hat or like a whatever in front of the snare drummer and you move around and then he plays you in various ways. Oh, oh, he plays you in various oh, ways. Oh, yeah. And they call you, I'm, I'm they, call you they call you a ride, <laughs> a ride symbol. So you ride whatever snare drummer you're on. So I and was like, got I'm your, going to transition. you got your cutie patootie snare drummer? Yeah. So you I'm going to transition him? to drumline. <laughs> But then after a little bit, that didn't work out. So then I decided I had a crush on a trombone player. Or maybe he was a tuba player. 
I don't okay, know. So then I went to devolved. Euphonium. You asked. <laughs> so then I went to Euphonium and Sousaphone, and then I played that for a little bit. And then I played a different instrument in every band, and it didn't work out with that guy either. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, it worked out till it didn't. You know, it was a good strategy. The I strategy was fine. I have never, ever doubted your stratagems. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> All right. So they decide that they are going to live together forever because the next day, sorry, the next day they catch all the girls in the room and they're like, what the actual fuck? We told you not to do this. And she's like, well, my sister's in town. She has no place to stay. This was our only option. And they're basically like, well, they have to go and you need to get to work. And she's like, no, no, no. I have to at least get like a half day off so that I can go get them lodgings or something. And they're like, that is completely unacceptable. Who like no way? There's no way we're gonna do that. And she's like, so is that your last word? And they're like, yes. And she's like, well, then I am tendering my resignation. And the mom is like, well, then who is going to watch my children? <laughs> she's like, maybe you for once. The poor things. Like maybe you should get to know them. Although it seems like that would ugh, no. So now they're out on their ears with only her savings. They get to an inn and they they post up there. They decide that they're going to be sisters forever and that they're going to face the world together. And they cook up this scheme that they're going to get jobs and save up enough money so that they can go to Bath and get Jane a good marriage. Because Jane is like the one who really wants a marriage and is pretty. Damaris is really good at painting things. Daisy is really good at making dresses and Abby is is pretty much good at everything except she's plain. But Damaris is good at cooking things. Not oh, I'm sorry. Things. Sorry, you're right. She's really really good at cooking things. Yeah. Yes. She is also good at painting things, but you find that in book 2, which yes, I read. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. On like Thursday you had it started the book. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool, yeah, cool, cool, cool. I went cool, down cool, some cool, rabbit cool, cool. holes. So who does Damaris get with? Ooh, I want to know. Is it Freddy? Is that it is Freddy and they're the cutest. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay, so then it cuts to six weeks later and uh, the girls are pretty much penniless. It's not going good. Yeah. Jane has a really, really terrible fever. Mm-hmm. Damaris is the only one that has a, a quasi job and it's really bad. So they're incredibly desperate. Abby needs to figure out a way to pay for a doctor for her sister. And so she's like, you know what? Fuck it. Hand me those breeches. I'm going to mm-hmm. cat burgle. Oh, she's a cat burglar, everybody. And this is important because her father. Yeah. So her parents eloped to be together and then were shunned by both their houses. So they didn't have they had like they were ladies, lords, peoples, but they were shunned. And then they didn't have enough money and her mom was sick and her dad went out to rob a stagecoach and was shot. And died. And died. And then her mom died of her sickness. And that's how her and Jane ended up in a horrible situation where they were at a Pillsbury home for distressed ladies, Mm -hmm. children's or whatever. So this is a big deal for her because this is literally how her dad died. Yes. And set up her family for ruin. But she must do it. So she goes out and she crawls across a, a wall and then she hooks up onto a drain pipe and then she climb mm-hmm. climb 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 climbs into a window and it's all it's all very cat burglary mm-hmm. and you know how i feel about that it's all very exciting it is and then she gets into the window it's super dark and out of the darkness she hears a voice that's like 
have you come to murder me? <laughs> Are you going to murder me? And she's, and she's like, 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 no, of course not. She also notices that there's nothing to burgle in the room. The room mm-hmm. is like completely bare. Everything's dirty and dusty and horrible. Um, and there's, it's smelly in there. And she's like, there's a oh, really shit. emaciated old woman laying on a bed. She's really dirty. She smells awful. She smells like the worst beggar ever. And there's mm-hmm. an untouched bowl of gruel right next to the bed. All crusty. So, yeah. So they get to know one another a little bit. And Abby begins to think that maybe this old woman is being neglected and abused by her well, servants. She literally, the old woman asks her to kill her. She's mm-hmm. like, do you have a bullet for me? And she's like, God, no, no, hell no. Like, no, I was just going to come steal some stuff, but there's nothing to steal. So I'll be on my way. Yeah. And she's like. If you come back, could you bring a bullet or something like that? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this poor uh, old woman. Yeah. So she goes back out. Jane recovers by the next morning and all is well, except that now she's worried about the old woman next door. So she puts on some the best lady clothes she has. Her like her governess, governess. Her gray governess yeah. dress. Yeah. And she goes to take a card to the next door and, and she wants to go see the old woman. The butler comes and he's this bloated, pompous, awful person. And he sends her away saying the old woman is not at home. She's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, please pass her this note. And then the next night she goes back by the same means. And she's like, OK, did you get my note? Because in the previous conversation, the old woman was like, nobody comes to see me Everyone's anymore. Everyone's forgotten me. I don't have any more friends anymore. Very sad stuff. It's so sad. And she's like, I don't think it's that you have any friends. I think it's that your butler's not letting anybody get to you. So the old woman is like, all right, I think that you and your sisters should come live with me. And Abby's like, oh, boy, like that's a dream come true. But at the same time, yeah, I don't want to take advantage. Yeah, Yeah. I don't want to take advantage of you. Like you don't know everything. Yeah. Also, because they came from a brothel. It's like, oh, am I bringing ruination upon you? God, I'm so sick of ruining. I know. I know. So easy. It's so goddamn easy because <laughs> both of the girls that were in the brothel, neither of them had actually been touched in the brothel. No. They were both abducted by force, like tied uh-huh. up and sent there and then locked away. And yet, uh, so so basically, she's like, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to agree until you know everything about us. And she tells right. them, she tells Lady Beatrice everything. Tells him about the brothel, tells him about getting sacked by her governess, tells her about, I mean, I think she tells her about like her family's death Everything. and like all the shit. Yeah. Tells her that Daisy grew up in the brothel just as a maidservant, not as a some of the wares, I guess they would put it. Mm-hmm. And the old woman's like, well, none of that makes any difference to me. So great. Move in. Huzzah. Yeah. So they do. They, they have to hatch a plan to get over there. So they mm-hmm. there's two guys that live in their like little shanty apartment building that they live in named Featherby and the other one. William. William, sure. And William used to be a big boxer guy and uh-huh. Featherby used to be a butler, but he got fired because he was an alcoholic. Yes. And so they they live together and they've decided they're not going to drink anymore and they've made like a pact. And they're fucking adorable. Yeah. So Abby says to Featherby, the ex-butler, would you mind putting on some of your butler shit again and dressing up William and like getting in a carriage and pretending we're ladies who have luggage and like arriving at Lady Beatrice's house so we can get in, get past the butler, that kind of thing. So they do that. They get past the shitty butler basically by force. I think doesn't William like knock him down or something kind of 
She's talking to him. He's trying to send her away. And William's just like, all right, well, look out. I'm coming through with this giant trunk. Yeah. Yeah. And he just sort of pushes past him. And they all get into the foyer. Mm-hmm. And that's when they see that a house that should have a dozen servants or more only has four of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all eating roast beef and shit. Oh, yeah. And they're like, feeding Lady Beatrice gruel. And they're all disgusting. And they've got, and the house, and the house is gross is and horrible. Yeah. She goes up the, she's trying to go up the stairs. The cook, who is the butler's wife, is trying to stop her. Daisy comes over and just like the scrapper she is, kicks her right in the shins. Daisy's the best. Ah, oh, so good. I can't wait to read her book. Mm-hmm. Because she's oh, was my. Be her person? I oh, know. I know. I know him already because I read oh, book no. two. Actually, you ah. know him too because because he shows up in the next chapter. Oh, it's so oh. good. I'm so excited. What I'm actually least excited about Jane's book. I'm going to read them all. But you I'm least excited Google about this Jane's on my book. work phone <laughs> while we're talking. Ha <laughs> ha. So she runs up the stairs and Lady Beatrice is like, oh, you did it. You did it. And the rest of the girls come up after she cleans her up a tiny bit. And the, what ensues is the sweetest, most tragic mm-hmm. beginning to a forever friendship that's mm-hmm. ever happened. Because they send the the old servants off. Like, the old servants sort of scram because they know that if they're reported, which of course they will be, they're going to face some charges. So everybody goes upstairs and they're like, okay, we're going to take you in to have a bath. Oh, no, no, no. First, they call a doctor. They call that mm-hmm. Scottish doctor. That awesome Scottish doctor. He's like, well, first they try to call the fashionable doctor who is her yeah. doctor, who is the doctor to all the ton. What does it mean? I don't care. Nobody knows. He's the fancy doctor. And he's like, I can't even get out there for like four days. And he's the one who told her like bed rest, be in the dark, yeah. shitty, that fucking diet asshole. of nothing. Yeah. So they call this doctor, this cool Scottish doctor, to the poor, and he prescribes her a nourishing, he can come out right away, a nourishing diet, sunshine, and as for needing quiet and rest, what nonsense. She should, he said firmly, have as much activity and excitement as she could bear. I'm like, what a great doctor. What a great doctor. Yeah, she needs a little infusion of uh, just life. So they are so cute and William brings up the tub and all the things they help her because they didn't want to move her she was so frail <laughs> what <laughs> yeah it's just, Flynn it's I Flynn I just read Flynn. the synopsis of Daisy's book on my work it's flamboyant Flynn it's so oh good my God. okay Sorry, but back to this one. I hope the US government is seeing that I'm googling the summer bride that's right on my anyway whatever yeah alright so they get into her into a tub. Daisy and Abby Ooh. are bathing her and everybody else is going to clean up her room because it is bath. in a shambles. God, the bath is so good. Daisy's like, all right, you get her back parts. I'll get her front parts. Here we yeah. go. She's just like vigorously <laughs> scrubbing this old lady's lady parts. And she's basically like, we got to wake these up. Like, <laughs> yeah. So they're great. talking and I don't remember exactly what happens, but they she's she talks about like being a stranger or whatever mm-hmm. and lady beatrice i think says something about you know well anybody who scrubbed my lady parts like that can no longer be considered yeah. a stranger mm-hmm. it's and then okay. daisy like throws it right back to oh, her here's what it later. is here's what it is they find her hair is all disgusting and matted mm-hmm. and they're like we're gonna we're sorry but we're gonna have to cut your hair and daisy jumps in and she's like Bobs are the most fashionist thing right now. Like having your hair cut off is actually really cool. Like you're going to love it. Um, And Lady Beatrice says, 
Don't try and butter me up, young woman. I've never trusted the word of people with their hands on my privates. Just do what you have to do. And uh-huh. then later, um, she says to Dave- Daisy that they've barely been acquainted. And Daisy's like, don't, oh, yeah? you know, whatever. I just had my hands all over your privates. So like, oh, wait, we're I got it. Now. I've got it. She goes, you're good girls, both of you. Not many would have done that for a stranger. Stranger? <laughs> Daisy had been tidying up the towels. Who are you calling a stranger? I've had me hands on your privates, remember? <laughs> And right before the bath, she tells uh, Abby that she's going to help. And her reasoning is, I reckon I've seen more naked bodies than you've had hot dinners. (laughs) (laughs) So the whole scene is fabulous. And then, oh, God. And then they come out into the the room it is completely transformed they've moved the bed they've scrubbed everything there's fresh flowers places like yeah featherby and william they're great servants they're good do they're good oh, at their jobs good stuff. and the girls too they everybody just pitched in mm-hmm. so they put her back on the bed she is like misty-eyed she can't Move even the handle the window her life. so that she can get sunlight yeah oh <sighs> She's all misty-eyed. She can she can't even talk because she's just so moved by the kindness that she's been shown. She hasn't been shown in probably years. Did you say they fired the whole sa- staff? Yes, they fired. They fired everybody. Yeah, and uh. then they're like, "Well, I can I can find you a butler, but Featherby's actually he's got butler experience mm-hmm. and everything else." And and Lady Beatrice, in like the best, most English way, is like, well, then I suppose you'll do. Yeah. And and Featherby like loses it. He does it. He's very he's very dignified. Yeah, he loses just, it like, in a very like butler way. In a very butler way. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like, you will not be disappointed, madam. Like, <laughs> thank you so very much. Because <laughs> all he wanted was to be a butler again, but he couldn't because yeah. he got fired so bad from yeah. his last place, so he didn't have a reference. Yeah, he reminds me of the the guy with the limp in Downton Abbey who gets to be head valet, even it's so though good. of his, it's because so of his. Good. Oh, it's so good! And so everybody's fucking best friends. Mm-hmm. Everybody is so happy. And then next chapter, we get to meet Max in now present times. The Indies in some Indies of he some sort. He does sailing now. He does trading <laughs> now. He does spices. Mm-hmm. He's all over the place colonizing. Like a mofo. Oh, just capitalizing on All the colonization. Over colonization. And he's got two long. buddies. Their names are Flynn and Ash. And they do ship sailing trading merchanting yeah, together. They do. And they've been real successful at it. And yeah. he's got a letter, right? Does he and have he a letter? Get, yeah. Yeah. He got a letter. <laughs> the two things we find out in this chapter are that he has oodles of money now. Like he can, yeah, he can he pay off the out. rest of the interest and all With the, the shit. shrewdness of his businessmanship and his and uh, acumen's, mm-hmm. I guess. So um, then the th- the second thing they find out is that some old biddy from the the hood has <laughs> sent him a letter. From the ton, <laughs> right? She sends him a letter that's like, it's half been, it dropped into the water. So you can't mm-hmm. see most of the writing, but everything you can see is really, really concerning. It but he knows phrases. it's from her because it's written in lilac and she yeah. only ever writes letters in purple. So he knows it's Lady, <laughs> is it like Ebbingham or something like that? Bedlington, Bedlington or something Bedlington? like that. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, sure. So she actually shows up a lot in the second book and it's real nice. Um, you know, when we read The Duke and I, which was my first England Times book that I had mm-hmm. ever made it all the way through. 
Uh-huh. Um, I thought the ton just meant people whose last names ended with tons because that was <laughs> true of every family in that book because it was the Bridgertons and the Featheringtons and like everybody ended in a ton. So I was like, oh, that's just a nickname for all these dumb families. <laughs> Not true. I don't know. I still don't really understand what it means. No, I don't know what it means. Either. I just wanted to confess that to you. <laughs> I love that. I love right. that about you. Okay. Okay. On. So basically it, the letter includes phrases like deeply concerned taking advantage a bunch of mm-hmm. shit yeah all right so he rushes back to england which means it takes him six weeks yeah he <laughs> rushes him, no it takes him like a month i don't no, know yeah it takes him but a really it's just long time so funny because like now you would be like i must get back to new york city and you'd be there by the end of the mm-hmm. day and he's like there's all this urgency you know like charter the first ship and then he sits there <laughs> for like yeah. weeks yeah, it's so funny. I just imagined him at the helm, like pointing ahead, like yeah. we'll, we'll be <laughs> hurry, home hurry. to my aunt. <laughs> All right, so he shows up and immediately goes to see the man of business that has been in charge of his aunt's affairs since he's been gone. The it's the guy's son because the the actual dude died, right? And the business has like gone to shit because this guy is incompetent. Obviously, mm-hmm. he tells him all about this harpy that showed up. At his business being mm-hmm. like, you've taken terrible care of her. I've sacked all of the servants. Mm-hmm. I am in charge now. Here are the people that you need to be paying. And Lady Beatrice insisted that they each get a small stipend as well. The four girls. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, P.S. When they showed up at the house, she was about to say her last name. But somebody had been looking for them at the apartment building. And that is really concerning because of the brothel bullshit. Mm-hmm. So she was like, she was about to say her last name. And what came out of her mouth was Chance. So they mm-hmm. are now the Chance sisters. Because if and nothing else. they got else, a Chance now and they took yeah, a Chance. Yeah. And because they found each other by Chance. It's so good. It's okay. Good. So we're moving on. Mm-hmm. So this guy totally freaks him out. And he's like, he's like oh, oh shit, now I understand. Harpies, it's taking yeah. advantage. It makes sense with the letter and everything. Right. So he had thought it's too early to call on my aunt. And then he's like, nope, Fuck not it. now. I'm going in there because like no early is too early to save her from this advantage taking harpy of this senile well, woman. Exactly. And there's a little piece of me that's like, I don't know if it would have been like that had the dude been like, the butler is blah, blah, blah. Or whatever. But he was particularly incensed that it was a lady. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, it was like this harpy. And there yeah. was, it was totally like how she had spoken to. Mm-hmm. So the guy was like, she spoke to me and blah, blah, blah. And Davenham, Max Davenham was like, oh, this guy got like just completely railroaded by a lady. Like a lady came in here, walked all over him. He needs yeah. to not be my person anymore. Exactly. Not only because my aunt has been taken advantage of, but also because he let a lady talk him down, which no good man would ever do. How dare you? Ladies need a firm hand, Max. Firm hands. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so he shows up at the house. Speaking of a firm hand. (laughs) He refuses to give them his name or anything and just barrels in. He Mm -hmm. has not shaved. He has longish hair. And Abby keeps on saying how, like, he's a Viking. He looks like such a Viking. Oh, yes, please. May I read you an entire page? I would like that. (laughs) So he comes in. He gets past the footman and the butler And then he's trying to go up the stairs and Abby stopped him on the stairs. And she says, stop. Abby braced herself, flinging her hands out to bar his way. You can't come up here. 
She fully expected him to shove her roughly aside as he'd shove Featherby, but amazingly he stopped. She had an impression of a hard, chiseled jaw, a bold nose, a firm, compressed mouth, and he was tall. Even standing three steps below her, he was taller than she. Her heart was pounding. What sort of man would shove his way into a lady's house with so little ceremony? Oh, because they don't even know it's Max at this point. It's just like a guy. He's been like, I demand to come inside. Because they know she has a a nephew, but they think he's like off of the Indies or whatever. At this hour of the morning, he was casually dressed in a loose, dark blue coat, white shirt, buff breeches, and high black boots. His cravat was carelessly knotted around his strong, tanned throat. Despite the almost civilized clothing, he looked like a strong... Like some sort of marauder, his jaw was unshaven, rough with dark bristles. His thick, dark oh. hair <laughs> was unfashionably long and caught back with a strip of leather. Gray mm-hmm. eyes glittered in a tan face. A dark Viking. Surely no Englishman would have skin that tart, that dark, burnished by years under a foreign sun. So she's uh, into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she goes on and on. There's a whole other paragraph under that just about his cheekbones and, you know, a shiver runs down her spine and his confidence oh, yeah. and it goes on and on. Well, and, on. and then he grabs her by the waist because William, the footman, the big former pugilist William, comes running up the stairs to stop this mm. marauder. He grabs her by the waist and just shoves her into William and then runs up the stairs to go see his aunt. And the scene he finds inside is so adorable. Mm-hmm. They're Daisy and Jane are both on the bed. Actually, all three of them are on the bed uh-huh. with Lady Beatrice. Daisy's painting her toenails gold. Mm-hmm. And then the other girls are reading magazines and novels. Mm-hmm. And it's so cute. And he and so Abby's like, we tried to stop him. And she's like, dear Max, it's mm-hmm. so good to see you. So cute. Basically, he's like, the fuck? Mm-hmm. who are these bitches and she's like those are my nieces she's, uh-huh. he's like i he's am like, your you only goddamn living nieces. relative but Thank first abby bursts in and she's like he tripped featherby and shoved max and oh no she's like he beat up these two guys downstairs and he's like they tripped <laughs> and she's like well a gentleman would have offered his cart like she's trying to warn lady beatrice of this guy that just burst into the house and she's yeah. like well he's not a gentleman because a gentleman would have offered his card and waited and it says one dark winged brow rose in a sardonic arch had a lot of experiences with gentlemen have you abby bared her teeth at him in a smile not as much as i'd like and as he absorbed the implications of that she added sweetly and none of none at all in london so far Dixon Max said under his breath. <laughs> I just loved that passage so much. Yeah, it's so good. Anyway, so yeah, she's like, these are my nieces. And he's like, oh God, this is bad. They're really taking advantage if she's like... Right. They've wormed her way into her like psyche. Yeah. So he is convinced that he's gonna kick them out. Um, mm-hmm. But he has to do so subtly because he really doesn't... He still doesn't want to attract Lady Beatrice's ire. Uh, so it's a whole thing. So... Mm-hmm. But um, also, Abby, he can tell that these four aren't sisters to each other either, because they mm-hmm. all look different. Daisy has, like, a crazy Cockney accent, and the other three don't. Like, he knows not only are they not her nieces, but they are not sisters to each other. Also, there are, like, 20 cats in the room. There are three cats. They brought kittens with them. <laughs> if there are three cats, there may as well be 20 cats. That's three true. is 20. Like, that, <laughs> you can have one it's cat, true. you can have two cats. Once you have three, it's 20. Like, three and 20 are the same number when it comes to cats. <laughs> And um, the friskiest one, the the most mischievous one, is named after Max, and it's Mm -hmm. so cute. Okay, 
So Abby's about to run some errands. And he's like, I'm gonna get to know this harpy. I'm gonna I'm gonna show her what's up. Yeah, I am. So he, he so he gets um he gets a hackney and he's like, I'll drive you. And she's like, No, I don't God ugh, and gets she's into the hackney cab. Always having these internal monologues where she's like looking at him and well she's one of them said something when she and her sisters were like chatting that night. One of them was like, Davenham's pretty like super handsome. Oh, it was uh <laughs> it was uh, uh what's her name? What what's the uh, what's the dark haired one's name? Damaris. Damaris was like, he's pretty handsome and Jane's like, he's crazy old. And Abby's like, well, old he's not that old and like He's only he's like 30 and I'm 24 and like he's not old to me and like I don't even mind the beard and I definitely don't <laughs> mind the long hair and I've certainly never said no to a man that's like broad shouldered and blah 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 <laughs> and she's like I do appreciate a man with uh, strong thighs like I was pretty sure he had and then it's like it's like all these like ellipses and then she's like not that I think of Max Davenham in that way like, no. there's a lot of that a lot of like and then I was lost in his eyes, but not as if I would ever be. So it's no, so not, not as if it's I want to smooch him or anything. Yeah. So um, she gets into the cab, and he's um, she's asking, I think, to go to the post office or something. Yeah, she and she wrote a bunch of letters. This is important. She wrote a bunch of letters when she got to Aunt Beatrice's house because she well, she wrote a letter to the the place where Jane was supposed to be going to be a companion to a clergy person because she never turned up there so she wanted to write a letter to them she wrote a letter to the pillsbury school for girls because she wanted them to know that jane had got abducted on the way and they needed to get a new coachman in case he was in on it she wrote a letter to the magistrate and the basically the cops to be like hey there's this guy abducting women around so she wrote a bunch of letters so and she's she told she wrote a letter to one of the the guy who set up the job for her he's uh, like on the board of the the girl's home right yeah yeah Yeah. and so um she's expecting letters back from all those people so she's Mm -hmm. continuously going to the post office to like check so during that they have this knockdown drag out argument where he's like you're a harpy who's taking advantage of my aunt and she's trying to figure out how much she knows the answer is nothing um oh lady beatrice told her told him that um she asked him, she asked Lady Beatrice how they met. Mm-hmm. And Lady Beatrice said, She flew into my window like a good yeah, fairy. <laughs> like a good fairy. <sighs> but first, before she leaves, she's trying to leave and she grabs the broken umbrella instead of the good umbrella. And she's like fighting with it. And he like takes it from her and it like opens like really easily. And then they have to hold yeah. the umbrella together. So they're like touching hands. It's really good. Well, and she's like, and note to self, Go get half a dozen umbrellas. Yeah, this will never happen again. Working umbrellas. Yeah. So in the cab, he's like, "You're taking advantage of my aunt," and she's like, "You left her to die, basically. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't how, check up how on her. Could yeah. you neglect her like that?" Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a whole thing. So she's like, "You want to know the state of your aunt? Fine. Here's the doctor I sent for." Here's why I sent for him. Like your your fancy doctor wouldn't fucking come. It looks very suspicious that they've gotten yeah. they fired her whole group of people. They tried to fire her accounts guy. They yeah. they got a different doctor that prescribed her excitement. Like everything looks very fishy. 
And all of these girls are now getting a stipend from Lady Beatrice because mm-hmm. she insisted. So he's like, this is all messed well, up. And bless both of them. Abby, on the one hand, is like, it makes perfect sense that he should be suspicious of me. Mm-hmm. And he, on the other hand, is like, it's weird that their stipends are so small. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and so he's like, okay, yeah, I'll go see this quote unquote mm-hmm. doctor. Well, but first... She goes to leave and he grabs her by the arms. Yeah, he does. And she's like, her against the side of the coach. It's so weird. It seems like he might just kiss me. That's odd. And then, like, he lets her go and it's all a thing. Yeah. He so. loomed over her, his chest touching her breasts, his storm-filled eyes dark with some kind of unknowable emotion. Uh. You're hurting me, she said coldly. It wasn't true, but Abby didn't care. She was in a rage now. And his gaze dropped to her mouth, of course. And for mm. one long, breathless, incredulous moment, she thought he was going to kiss her. And what, ah, then I can keep going. Sorry. I sounded like you were waiting. No, it's, and it's with delicious. his next utterance, he was proved ridiculous. I'd like to strangle you, he growled. <laughs> anyway. All right. So he goes and sees the doctor. The doctor completely not only impresses him, but also is like, those girls were a lifesaver. I was going to report them myself until I realized that they showed up this, the very same day they called me. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, oh, shit, they've only been there for three weeks. Like, that doesn't that doesn't line up with the letters timing that doesn't line up with Mm -hmm. anything this lady was concerned way before that so i don't get it so he's like i still don't trust him but like i'll let him stay and he really doesn't have a choice because lady beatrice isn't going to let him oh she would throw a fit and he loves her so he needs to at least have them slowly go or else Mm -hmm. his aunt's never going to forgive him yeah, so there's a couple of adorable things that happen because, like, then we watch him set up characters in the next couple of books. Uh, he gets he visits his friend Freddie Monkton Coombs. I who, love Freddie. Freddie's the fucking He's best, and he only best. gets better. Book and two, guys. He- book two. He refers to, so he's like, they've got these three women staying with my aunt, and why would they? And Freddie's like, oh, because they're muffins, all three of them. He's like, dreaded muffins. muffins. Basically, it's like women that are like trying to marry you that you don't want to marry. That's what a muffin is. That's what a muffin is. Oh, muffins. They're so, (laughs) they're so plain. They're so boring, these muffins. And there's a dinner. So it's his first night in town. And so Lady Beatrice says, "Uh, will you come back for dinner uh, at the dinner hour? And he says yes. But he doesn't think, because she's up in her room, he thinks she's an invalid. So he doesn't think she's actually coming down to dine. He thinks he was just informing her when he would be back. Right. So he says to Freddie, hey, let's, or Freddie was like, let's go out to the club and have fun and eat dinner at the club. And he's like, sure, I just got to stop home because I told my aunt that I would be back at the dinner hour. I'll go in for 10 minutes. I'll check on her. And he's like, Freddie, you should come in too. And he's like, and meet the muffins? Like, I'm not meeting any muffins. And it's like, <laughs> they're pretty dull. And like, you know, so what's his face? Max just like lets him think that they're dull, even though they're all super even cute. even though they're all real pretty. Co- and the plainest one he thinks is super hot. So, uh-huh. <clears throat> you know. So um, he they goes They have an adorable dinner. And he realizes they all dressed for dinner. And they dressed yeah. Lady Beatrice up in her, in like a outfit that Daisy made for her. And he's like, oh shit, I guess I have to stay. So he's like, Freddie, come in and have dinner with us. And he's like, fuck that, I'm off to the club. <laughs> so um, yeah, they have an adorable dinner where Miss Abby looks so good that she has like this in white green dress. dress. Oh, oh yeah. she had the white dress. Oh, wait. It was maybe know. a green dress, but I remember With that there was white, white trim around her yeah. boobs because Max was just like, like, it looks like whipped, whipped cream. cream. Uh-huh. And then she kept eating this dessert with a spoon. And he's like, she's eating it normally, but I can't stop watching her <laughs> eat it normally. It's really good. It's really good. 
And then I think the next important thing is they go back to the post office. No, she goes to the post office and he wants to go talk to her about something, right? Is that it? Because, okay, well, he wants to buy a house. He wants to buy a house that is not the house um, she's currently living in. Right. Lady Beatrice. So he finds a house and he wants to set it up like a home. Go ahead. But first, Abby talks to Lady Beatrice about Max. Lady Beatrice tells her all about Max and how why she's her favorite, his favorite aunt and stuff. His parents shipped him off to a boarding school and then... Well, wait, wait, wait. No, they didn't. No, the mom ran off with a dude. And he was six at the time. And his fucking egomaniacal dad took a personal offense to poor Max's grief. Like, he missed Mm -hmm. his mom. And every time... The book says that every time Max talked about or showed that he was missing his mom... His dad reacted like it was a reminder of the the cuckoldry or whatever. Like, right. ugh, get over yourself. The kid was grieving his mom. Mm-hmm. So he sends him off to boarding school and he won't, like, come get him for, he won't send for him for Christmas or any of the holidays. Right. And he didn't tell Lady Beatrice that either. So the poor kid just sat there waiting for his dad to come and he never came over Christmas. So he was like the sad oh. kid. He was the Harry Potter he was the Just Harry sitting at the boarding school being like, oh, man, I wish I had a family for Christmas. Yeah. It's the worst. Or I wish they would sign my fucking permission slip so I can go home with the Weasleys. Like, right. can he even do that? Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and then also during that dinner, Abby started to blurt or Jane started to blurt something about the Pillsbury house. Yeah. And she only got out like the pill and then the other one shot her a look. So he goes and hires a private detective to be like, okay, I got these girls living. They're not sisters, even though they're claiming to be. Here's the name they've given. That's definitely not their name. The the cluest clue that I have is that one of them said they used to live at something called The Pill. So I need you to go out and detective this. Yes. So then Abby is off at, because he gets the house and he's like, she did a really good job of cleaning up my aunt's house. And mm-hmm. also, I, I low-key likes her a lot, so I want her to help me do this stuff. But first they have the fight. What the fight? Post o- she goes to the post office. That That's why he goes there. Why he goes where? He goes to talk oh, to right, her about Oh, you're right, because he's going to go talk to her. Okay, yeah. so, sorry, 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 sorry. So We're at the post office. everybody's like, yeah, so Featherby's like, she went to the post office, and he's like, all right, fine, I'll go there too. So he gets in his um, newly hired carriage, and he heads over there. He sees her come out of the post office, and then he sees one guy come out, signal to another, and then they both follow her. And mm-hmm. it is very concerning. So he gets out and he starts following them too. She starts going into back alleys or whatever because she's headed to the market and she's taking shortcuts. And all of a sudden, he sees, I think, a knife in the guy's hand or something mm-hmm. crazy. Like he's the getting close enough to her. Oh. And so he starts brawling like mm-hmm. like a trading company and guy he's like would. abby run run That's and good. so he's he's trading blows with this guy he's like disarming him and stuff wait and then another guy comes. no keep up. going sorry no keep going then sorry another I'm guy lo- comes. you got momentum sorry there's another, another guy, guy comes and then he's trading blows with both of them but he can't handle his shit and then Abby comes Abby out like nowhere, and they literally describe her like a spider monkey. Like jumps a spider on monkey. him, 
strangles him from behind, is beating him with her bag. And I don't remember what they call it, but it's a fancy word for bag. I Googled it it up on my Kindle. And she's like, bam, bam, bam with her bag and like pulling him down into the chokehold. Uh-huh. And then Max sees the blade in the guy's hand because she's on his back. He Mm. sees him swing backwards and the blade gets stuck into Abby's skirts. And it is like the like Max's life whole whole life flashes before his eyes. He's and like, so he shit, continues he stabbed her. Ah. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. He manages to beat them both off. And then Abby laying there face oh, down on the cobblestones no, in no, the no, rain no, on unconsciousness back. on her no, back no, no. on the cobblestones. And she's had the wind knocked Not, out of her. Yeah. But like, I thought she was on her face and then he turned her over. Maybe. Yeah. But and her then breath she's like, was gone. <laughs> she, yeah she can't breathe and he's like you just had the wind knock. then he feel he rakes her whole body yeah with his fingers. Gotta, he does a finger rake it. of her body which is the he's first thing the by wound. the way bing boom bong combat medicine with Aaron. that's the first thing you gotta do you gotta, gotta rake your fingers it. try to find some holes so he's that's like right. going all over trying that to find holes his finger in. <laughs> finds yeah. no holes finds no holes no guys. wounds no so blood then he pulls her up onto his lap and he's like it's okay you just got the wind knocked out of you and then she looks up at him with yeah, her. And I she's don't like, remember the color of her eyes, but she looks at him brown. with her. Yeah. yeah. And then their lips just graze oh, a yeah. little bit. It's a little bit of a graze. And then it's on, It's TM. on. <laughs> oh, boy, is it on. And they have the best smooch. Such a good smooch. It goes on for like a page and a half or something cray. Yeah. Uh-huh. So good. They're smooching and a smooching, and it is so nice. I could read you the whole thing, but I've already read you like half this book. But just it's know pretty long. that it's such a good smooch. It's real fucking good. But and then we missed a pulls- big thing. What did we miss? Max is betrothed to Henrietta something. Parsley. 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 Because and his- Lady Beatrice calls her the Parsley, parsley girl. girl. He's been betrothed to her for the whole nine years he's been away. And he's yeah. mentioned it several times that he's betrothed. Yes. So after like the big smooch, Abby's like, oh, I'm the worst. He's betrothed. Like, I'm a slut well, because now. Because he says, wait, this can't happen. Yeah, because I'm betrothed. But she knew already that he was betrothed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's like, she's like, what man would like I just basically threw myself at him. It's very England Times logic. Uh-huh. I threw myself at him. He couldn't help himself. Like cause you know and she and, alludes to like I learned long ago that this yeah. is not the man's fault. This is the woman's fault. And I looked yeah. up him with my pitiful, sad, pathetic loneliness in my eyes and mm-hmm. that's what did it. Anyway. All right, that's where we have to leave it this week, but we will be back next week for the absolutely breathtaking end to The Autumn Bride by Anne Gracie. All right, Erin, do you have a lady love this week? Ah, yes, I do. In the past two, three months, I have been blonde, I have been red, I have been brown, mm-hmm. and my hairdresser, I think she's she has become frustrated with me because... <laughs> I was red for about a year and a half, probably. And then I was like, well, first I was red. Then I was half red, half blonde, which don't do that if you're in the army. I tried to do it real Why? subtly, but it wasn't like as subtle mm. as I would have liked. And and that's not my hairdresser's Indeed. fault. It was just like the bun was like a lot blonder than the red and the, you know. So ah. then I was all red. Then I went in there like a month ago and I was like a month and a half or whatever. And I was like, all blonde, bleach it all real bleachy. I want to be a bombshell. Like, let's do this. And you saw me that week. 
And it looked good. I did. For like it did. two to three weeks. And then my roots started growing. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. Right. I have to have my hair in a bun every day. And so I went yeah. back and I was like, brown. Brown is the color for me. The darkest of mm. browns. And so she's like, fucking fine. You know, and this is the wear cunt mm. uh, hairdresser. So she's not shy yeah. about her opinion of what's going on here. And so then I went back and I was like, let's just do our my natural color finally. And she, she didn't know what that was. So I had to go find some pictures right. of me as like a child. Um, Isn't it the same it as mine? Exactly which the is the same as yours. Dishwater. Dishwater. I call it like a, it's a flat. Blend. It is a flat, monochromatic, um, methy, like a, a matte. Which is not, I know matte is kind of chic right now, but it's not what you want in hair. Uh, it's a mousy, right, methy, right. trailer park, brownie blonde. Dishwater it's, blonde. It's like a gray yeah. blonde, uh, but not an aging, mm. aging gray, just more like when somebody turns gray because they're sick, you know? <laughs> okay, maybe we don't have the same because I do have some honey do, highlights. But that's because you're but, in the uh, sun. I have before had honey highlights as well, but yeah, I haven't seen true. the sun in nine months, so... In February yeah, in Alaska, fair. it's going to be that matte, methy blonde. Yeah. So she did it. And I was just like, and she's like, do you love it? And I was like, no. Like, I, it's not like I hate. It's not like I, I was just like, I can't be. This is you did exactly what I wanted. Congratulations, hairstylist. But I cannot get excited about it because right. it's not fun. But now, three weeks later, it's the best thing I've ever done. I'm so happy that my hair is just normal colored and I don't have to worry about it and how it's growing and stuff. And if you are in a hair crisis where you've had four colors in three months, just go back, just go back to your roots literally and just be happy with who you are. Yeah. Even I will if say it's literally the worst hair color out there, which is what I've got. Yeah. I think I did that about seven that years ago right. or so. I was coloring my hair mm -hmm. all throughout college um to like you know highlight blonde honey gorgeous blah and um i just a i was like i cannot spend money on mm -hmm. this anymore and b the roots drove me crazy growing out my hair going back to my natural ish color and then growing it out was the best thing i've done in a really but also really if you're time. like a pink also, person like i'm not saying everybody ought oh, to go cool, back then. to natural i'm just saying if you're in a no. hair crisis this might be what you yeah. need yeah, totally. Mine is I walked into my grocery store yesterday being like, my tummy kind of hurts. I, I'm going to see if there's like a ginger tea mm -hmm. situation. And all of a sudden, it was like the skies parted. The, the a spotlight came mm -hmm. down from the, the, the ceiling of the grocery store and illuminated before mm -hmm. me was Lipton's Soothe Your Tummy Tea. Uh -huh. <laughs> It's got ginger. It's got fennel. It's got a bunch of other herbs that will do wonders for your tummy parts. So if you're feeling a little nauseous, if, for example, somebody gave you a 24-hour stomach flu. Or you ate a handful of drumsticks after not having meat for years. Right. Or you couldn't keep out of the chewy bars. Oh, oh. Then maybe... <laughs> That's not a stomach condition. Yeah. That is my intolerance. <laughs> my intolerance. <laughs> my intolerance. <laughs> yeah. Check out some Lipton Soothe Your Tummy. It's I think good this stuff. episode has been the most callback heavy of any of the episodes. I feel Maybe. like this is one of those episodes. You're not going to even get it, guys, unless you've listened to our whole catalog. <laughs> 
Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah. We're too we're too Basically. deep in the story. You're not you're not gonna get it. You have to go back <laughs> from the beginning. All right. Ah. Is that it? All right, guys. Yeah. We are all the places that you want to find Oof. us. Instagram. Yeah. At heaving bosoms. Mm-hmm. Twitter at heaving underscore bosoms. Facebook, Heaving Bosoms Podcast. Facebook, Heaving Bosoms Geriatric Friendship Cult. That's the club, the group. And what? Heaving Bosoms Podcast at gmail.com. Heaving Bosoms and Podcast. Heaving bosoms dot com, dot com. Which is the website. It's occurred to me that, like, social media, for the most part, I can just blast out easily on my phone. The website, to update it, I have to actually sit down at my computer, which is kind of hard when I travel a lot. So the website, yeah. So it might be, yeah. The website might have a lag. I apologize for that. Um, yeah. And soon we're gonna. By the time you're hearing this, we will probably have announced the next four books. Probably. Yeah. Maybe you know if what? we feel like it. Yeah. If we're nice. <laughs> yeah. If you, guys, if you if you're good to yeah. us. If <laughs> <laughs> we sound so asshole, I, we love you so much. We're we such love dicks. it. <laughs> Melody took a screenshot of whoever I think it was Elizabeth said something like, you know, we've yeah. got to needle them or what be taskmasters or whatever. You said a screenshot and she's uh-huh. like, these girls are so funny. And I was like, hilarious. Um, <laughs> really though, we hadn't put it out because we were gonna shake it up a little bit, maybe, and insert a book in that was like a new book coming out, maybe. So that's why we were kind of hesitating on it. There's yeah. usually a reason why we haven't yeah. given you information. Like last week, I right. didn't announce. You should just I trust didn't preview us. the episode on social media because we legit weren't sure if we were going to have an episode out because <laughs> the editing yeah. was going yeah. rough. So if I'm not telling Oopsies. you, it's probably there's a reason. It's not just because we're assholes, right? Probably, maybe, yeah, Pro- maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. All right. Keep being a badass and love yourself as much as you love drinking five gallon jars of applesauce. and melody loves that so that's a lot love yourselves a lot (laughs) all right bye Bye, erin hi i'm nicole sarah hillary and we're the hosts of the Feminine Mistake Podcast. Each month, we sit down with a guest to watch movies that are 20 years or older. And see how they hold up to today's modern feminist lens. Why do mermaids have such low self-esteem? Why is it so funny when men take care of babies? What exactly did Jenny die of in Love Story? These are the kind of hard questions we ask ourselves on the Feminine Mistake Podcast. The Feminine Mistake Podcast. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Podbean. Do you guys think that was okay? Yeah, I don't know. We sounded kind of shrill. Really? Yeah, women's voices are just so grating on the radio. Yeah. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, I mean, have you ever heard those guys over at the Nerdist or last podcast on the left? I mean, they're just biologically more funny than we are. That's so true. Yeah. Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes, we are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah! Lilas!
Okay, back to the show. <laughs> 